Welcome, pizza friends, to a new series I'm doing called Shadow a Pizza Maker. Shadow. Shadig. I'm going to be doing it for the next four to five weeks just to test out the series. I think there's so much value in being able to sit down with a pizza maker uninterrupted, but there's also value in seeing them in action and picking their brain in that very moment. And so I'm very excited to share this episode because this is something I have never seen before. When it comes to processing dough, I'm limited to making a few dough balls at my house. Like if I make 40 to 80 dough balls, it's freaking hard. It takes a long time. The person that I'm interviewing today is making 120 plus dough balls in just 20 minutes. We're going to do a quick ad break and then we'll introduce the guest. Like I mentioned, I make pizza at home, but I'm also a mobile caterer. And our show sponsor, Uni Pizza Ovens, really does cater to both audiences. See what I did there? Whether you're a home pizza maker or a pro, Uni Pizza Ovens has all the tools to level up your pizza game. I mean, check out their newest Detroit-style pizza pan. Black anodized, looking fire. And that cover that they have solid. If there's anything that you need from Uni, check out the link in the show notes and make sure to use the affiliate link. Thank you for supporting my show sponsor. Today's guest is none other than my buddy Al the Pizza Buddha. By now you should be very familiar with who this pizza maker is through the multiple interviews that we've done and the recording of the real life pizza consult that we did. Today wraps up the final piece of content that I've created with him. And here he shows me in my opinion, of course, how a pizzeria should be run. Trigger warning for you all. If you want to get all hashtag these hands with me, then I will say hashtag my payroll. Real talk, I think there is a time and a place for human intervention. And as Al mentioned, that human intervention should be in the front of house, should be the kitchen making the pizza, but not the dough production. And as a quick plug, this is available on YouTube. And if you're not on YouTube or you don't listen to your podcast on YouTube, I think you should. This is not sponsored. It'd be tight if YouTube was sponsoring me. But I have been a YouTube subscribing individual. I can't even, I don't even know what it's called. It's just been years where they've been taking $11.99 from my account. Well, it used to be $9.99. I think it's called YouTube Premium because now I can see the mint charges on my mint app. And all that means is I get YouTube University ad-free. It means that I can listen to podcasts and close the app and it'll still play. And trust me, it's worth going that route when it comes to podcasts because there are just so many more podcasts and the YouTube algorithm is really good at suggesting podcasts. And there is a visual component for the podcast as there is with this one. So I'll make sure to link the podcast on YouTube in the show notes. Consider subscribing to YouTube Premium. If not, feel free to just listen with the ads. Feel free to keep the app on or pay the 12 bucks a month to get it ad-free. I think it's so worth it. Okay, let's do one more quick ad read and then we'll be ad-free the rest of the show. I promise. This podcast is brought to you by Boccio Cheats. And if you don't have access to tools like Al does 
to automate your production process. Not to worry, Baggio Cheese's pre-shredded cheese mix is delicious, and it's my favorite cheese for Detroit-style pizza. The white cheddar mozzarella blend melts perfectly for that beautiful golden brown frico and has a delicious cheese pull. Brett from Izzy's Pizza Bus also uses Baccio cheese and absolutely loves it. He loves it for the price, the consistency, and so much more. If you want to learn more about Baccio cheese, please use the link in the show notes or just DM me at What's Good Dough and I'll connect you with them. I appreciate you for supporting my sponsors. We start the conversation right into it where Al the Pizza Buddha just got his freshly mixed dough. He put it in the dough divider and now he's throwing them in the dough rounder. So do you not have to create a seal or anything like that? These are coming out seamed up already. So these are, my seam is here at the bottom. I'm smooth at top. And then as I'm catching them, some of this outer seam from shaping, this will go away with relaxing and skinning. And for the most part, we're covered. And then it comes off pretty easily from the divider? Yeah, these are pretty, I've got a pretty quick snap when I pull them. We got to move pretty quick because those will start to stick back together. So this is a double. So when I've over topped, over went too quick. So what do you do with that? Redivide it. And then that'll relax and come back into production. Just one of those things. It's a new batch, so I'm trying to understand the timing. It's a little bit wetter. So this is like pushing it on this rounder as far as hydration. When you're at a wetter dough, you'll notice these little pieces are coming up here. These are sticking to the rounder as they come up. We lose about 0.1 on every dough ball. 0.1%? Uh, of a gram, like up an ounce. So these little pieces are coming off the balls. So when we cut that weight going in, we factored in for that. It's just processing. This is kind of like what you lose when you're producing, but we're not hand shaping anything, so. So are you saving a little dough to make a 300 gram or a, a gram? Yeah, and I'll just slowly incorporate those little ones in as I go. They'll end up in a dough ball somewhere. Nothing goes to waste. Look at that, look at that. And this setup costs? So that rounder is about 9,500. This one? Yeah. This? The dividers are going for, uh, there's two options, 17,000 or a $14,000 unit. What's the difference? The other unit has a 1020 feature, so I can actually, this has it, I can split the blades between 10 partitions or 20 partitions. Smaller dough balls? Bigger dough balls, so if you were doing 10 partitions, you would do like two pound dough balls, and those are for like, big sheet Sicilians, uh, anything of that nature. And you just remove the... Uh, I'll explain it when I stop this run. You gotta move fast. Yeah, these are moving. When we're in cycle, these guys are moving pretty quick in here. What's the time? Like, how long does this process take? Uh, 20 minutes. To make how many dough balls? What are these, 20 per how many totes? Eight totes here. So 20 times eight. Is he slow? Yeah, I'm very slow right now. You're throwing me up. <laughs> it's been a while. I've been, no, on, I've been home baking. You're talking and doing the camera, I get it. 
That's what a lot of people on YouTube say. They're like, why is it taking him 20 minutes to make a pizza? He's explaining everything. Yeah. What the fuck? Once you get the timing in your figure, you'll see me get into timing. I'll start stringing six in here at a time and just nail the whole tray. I'm just trying to figure out this tacky and feel the stick in my hand and get used to this setup again. It's been a while since I've been back here. Probably like three years. So this equipment's three years old already? This is four years, four or five years old already. Four years, yeah. What's, a, what's it cost to repair something in case it, once it fucks up? Cause they don't- uh, These machines, I've got close to 10 of these dividers out there and I've never had a repair yet. And the only thing that'll go is I have to train people to not cut this gasket. This gasket is what vacuum seals the dough inside this chamber. And that's what creates the pressure when I put this cut. So then when I open, that's all been sealed in there. All right, so when they see that little piece right there, that's okay? Yeah, that's just a little point one, whatever. Okay. That's okay. Cool, so it doesn't have to be perfect. No. No, and you're focusing here on speed, efficiency. Speed, consistency, and there's any production in scale. When you go and you'll see fully auto lines, they're always running a little bit. There, you'll see dough balls and pieces. You'll see on YouTube the lines, the full pizza lines. There's scrap coming through the lines. And that's yield loss in production. That was quick. You just busted it out. I just was making me nervous. I'm sorry. I tend to do that. <laughs> another another Filipino brother. I'm like, oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. He make me nervous. Oh my god. He make me so nervous. I sweating. <laughs> and that's the thing. The extra scrap is coming from because our dough is really hydrated. And that's why some people will ask me, a lot of guys, oh, what's the hydration you can put? You can put a wetter one, and I've had guys hit me up. What's all that little shit coming out of there? That's like wrong. And I go, no, 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 that's part of the production. When you're processing something like this, yes, it's not by hand anymore. So you're gonna have, expect some yield loss in there. Because you gotta think we're moving at twice the speed now. So there is some loss to that. I mean, just if you were to hand cut, I've already processed 60 dough balls. To hand cut 60 dough balls, we'd still be standing here. God, it takes me like hours. It takes yeah, me two dude, hours. we'd still be standing here. It takes me two hours to make dough and maybe just like three, four trays. It's crazy. At home, by myself, no machines. Yep. So just start multiplying that in production. It's a whole different game. And I obviously, you see, I'm like a Lupe's doing a slight assist, but I'm pretty much independently doing this whole process. Well, there's only, when we got here, there's only two people yeah. running the whole fucking- The whole production. The whole production. They're pretty much done already. They're, they started early. As you see, it's getting a little bit more slack because it's relaxed. I pushed it because I wanted to see it rest on the bench a little bit longer. Just to kind of replicate what their production life will be like, they try to tend to sometimes take on a lot of projects. So when I develop these recipes, this is where I'm kind of fine tuning it as well. I'm gonna go into big production with them tomorrow and scale this up. And I may even take a click of water out of this just to help it a little bit more on the production. And so just so I can reduce this a little bit more, those are all the notes I'm taking as I'm gonna make another revision to so tomorrow's bath. This dough is like a test dough, but it's obviously gonna be used. Yes. What are you telling the people on the receiving end of this dough? 
oh, there's new dough, fucking fish. Yeah, so I'm going to talk to their head cook, uh, Claudia, and, you know, explain the changes I've done and what we fixed. And that'll then let her know to expect a different change on the pizza maker side. So then after that, I'm going to follow it all the way down the chain and I'm going to follow this dough into production into the ovens. So then I'll go work the line with them, see how it works on the pizza side now. I've kind of understand by watching this right here, I can already tell what it's going to be like on the production side on pizza. They be able to turn this oven up a lot higher and their bake time will probably reduce by about a minute from this revision because they don't have all that dry mass in there anymore. They don't need to take an extra minute to put. Right, it's gonna expand better now and they're gonna maximize their flour, bringing their costs down a little bit more too because they went up close to 5% in hydration just by this revision. That's how underhydrated that dough was. So you know what 1% does in water. So 4% is a pretty drastic change to where they're seeing this difference in their mix. I see that you're trying to even it out a bit. I just keep the mass in so it just kind of stays relaxed. I'm trying to keep that same form. We want to maintain that same structure. That's key in this thing because if you re-agitate it or re-elongate the gluten, it's going to tweak in there. So these come out nice and they shouldn't shift. Right, they stay nice and almost like how they were in the totes. That's why they're so soft to pit. It's a dance, man. Yeah, and we'll go a lot faster. Normally there's two of them here and Lupe's just catching and I'm just humming in there as fast as I can. So we'll kick it up, come stand next to me. And then you'll see when it's got two people next to us how much quicker this will go. We just added one more body of labor but we're gonna be able to, the speed's gonna increase drastically because now I'm just focused in this sector. We're gonna have less doubling. I can now give her a better ball going into the rounder. I put a little bit of a tug right before I'm dropping it in there to make them a little bit tighter for her. These are just the like techniques that we've come up. So now she's just able to focus on training and I'm just dividing. What are you looking for? I see you're like, I'm watching the next one go back up into the chamber. So down there, they're feeding into it. You're not even touching the dough. It's just slipping off. No, yeah. Are we, you oiling these trays? Yeah, they're all sprayed. These have all been Vegeline. And we do it very little. We want very minimal. We don't want to transfer. We're preserving everything out of the bowl as much as possible. There's like barely anything. And we're watching that. And these are all the things that like, I'm trying to develop, like understand for them in scale because now I got to start factoring in as I'm here, I'm now developing what she's going to mix in the summer. I got to start thinking about spring when these guys transition. Yeah, that's crazy. The fact that you have to constantly adjust your dough. Well, especially with this client because they're on pre-ferments. So straight dough clients, I don't have to worry about. They're kind of weathered through the seasons. The pre-ferment clients are a little bit more intricate and anyone who's out there, and you can ask even Brian over at Scholl's, it's no dough the same, especially in this world. And that's cold fermenting it. It's like breaking the rules. You shouldn't be cold fermenting a starter dough, but it's just what these guys want to do in their signature and their branding. So wait, are you not cold fermenting this dough? Yeah, this will cold ferment. But you just said earlier, don't, you shouldn't be cold fermenting. Yeah, you shouldn't with the starter, but that's what like Steve wants. 
And why does he want that? For flavor? Flavor. He likes the aroma. We're in Sonoma County, so it's fermentation town. So that's a big thing here. Natural. We don't want to go natural leaven. Everyone around here does sourdough. You know, it's a big thing. But we want to be still, you know, considering ourselves an artisan bread bakery, right? So we're splicing in that the inspirations that he's had from all of his different places he's been. I'm trying to like pick off of those ideas. Some of his biggest inspirations for Acre were uh, pizzeria, pizzeria Badia, Joe Badia style, to uh, Shoals, to you know pizza places that have been around in the city that are no longer there. They only see it at Expo. They don't really put this in full demo because these are two separate parts. This setup is what I've been pioneering in my dough systems. A lot of my volume clients have this exact setup. This is like what volume I- Volume clients. Yeah, like guys that are doing, you know, two, 3,000 dough balls. Yeah, welcome to the dough bin. You'll have dough balls on your shoes. How many did we make earlier? Do you know? How many dough balls? Eight times two. 16? 160. 160? 160. This is the last 20 right here. We're done already. So it hasn't even been an hour, but that's key for fermentation. That's why I sell this and I explain people where I end up. The guys who understand dough understand this equipment and what we're trying to achieve is trying to divide all of this dough on the table. By the time we got done with this, this dough's blown. This dough's gone. It's because too you're relaxed. Mixed, you're at 76. Yeah, I'm ready. It's got to go. We got to get it in the cooler. That's why I'm mixing to the temperature like this. Why don't you just mix it to lower temp? You, you'll lack fermentation. There's a tendency you can mix too cold. If you mix your dough too cold and your DDT's coming under, you know, in the low 60s, if you came out at like 50 something, there's no, nothing's going to happen. You, you want to hit activate the yeast but not get it to be in the hundreds to where it's going to over ferment right that's really where you want to find that sweet spot in your balance when you're designing your recipe you could smell the pre-ferment and it's delicious now it smells right again making tony's flower shine oh is there anything else that you do right now like that's it so from here we're going to clean this machine so to break this down we're not going to process anymore so we just remove our top, all of this scrap dough from all those stringers are left. We can make a dough ball out of this. This is out of 160. And any big pro production equipment, you're gonna have yield loss like this. The big dough dividers and rounders, the huge machines that you see with the cylinders. When I used to break those machines down, it's like 20 pounds of dough in the machine that you lose. So we have to break down the machines, take those little stringers and make up pieces so we have zero yield loss. This is the dough production world. And any big processing like this, this is all you have. So, and this is all that I got left out of all of that. That's my waste off 160 dough balls. I just lose one dough ball and I'm just gonna ball that up and there's another dough ball. A little bit of cleaning. Yeah, we soak this. So we'll soak that in hot water and spray it. Um, these are all pretty dishwasher safe. The version of this rounder from AM and there's a lot of knockoffs. This one's not metal, which is great because the metal one, the minute you dent it, it's done. It's garbage and they're $4,000 to replace. 
That piece right there is 2300 bucks. I've seen that thing fall off the top shelf and still survive. This thing normally breaks. The staff will crack this thing. This is a 200 bucks from Somerset. They have magnets. Before the magnets, they've revised this machine so many times. These magnets used to not be attached. Those will break off and you find it in the bottom of the machine. So in the divider, there's no maintenance to it. All we do is just wipe this down with warm water and that's it. All the little pieces, I'll show you the side of the machine. The only maintenance we really do is uh, once a year, we'll open up the side of the machine and then it'll show you what the brain looks like inside and all the little stringer dough balls that fall off. There's actually no floor in the machine. So the thing that makes the machine kind of self-cleaning is all the little pieces just fall to the bottom. So this will fall on the ground. And once a year, they'll come in here and vacuum and blow this out. These just all dry up like little dough dip bits. This is the brain and the controller inside the unit. This is the hydraulic pump. So what happens in here is the one maintenance we'll do is we'll drop the blades. I can lift the blades and I can see straight across in the chamber. So this is what's inside the machine. The blades are in here and then these, these come up and down. Um, we should be able to clean this out. Let's open up the other side since I'm here and then just blow it out today. So all they'll do is just blow this out. The other side panel opens up. We'll clean it out and that's all the maintenance. No oiling, no nothing. Is there a pizzeria out there that probably hasn't done this ever since they bought one? Yeah. These guys, I mean, yeah. They don't know. No, they don't know. They don't tell you to do this with this machine. So earlier I'll explain the 1020 feature. And then she's gonna process the dough, it's gone into the dough cooler. I'll show you that when we go back there. But it's very easy to do maintenance on it. You obviously see new, no tools. I'm using a kitchen spatula to open up the side of this thing and give me access. So they'll go in there with a vacuum, blow it out or brush it out. And then inside this is just oil that comes off, that's coming off the blades and then extra stuff. It's really dirty, they haven't cleaned this in a while and they are heavy, heavy volume. There's a hydraulic pump in here. This is just like your low rider. This is basically a low rider. This is all this is. Hydraulic piston that bumps up and down. Explain the brain to me, like what it does. So the brain in there is a determining pressure and then also timing of when this thing goes up and down. In the front here, we have a controller. So there's a, uh, actually this isn't a 1020. This is actually just a 10. So this one won't switch to 10. Um, other ones I've sold do. So he got the cheaper one. But in here in the front, this is the pressure adjustment. So I can adjust the pressure if I had a tighter dough or a lower hydration, I would come a little bit firmer and press those blades and those platens will push a lot harder. Therefore, I'll see a lot more dough being pushed up into it. Versus where I am, because I have a very low hydration, a very high hydration, I want the least amount of pressure. So this is just like, again, like a hydraulic pump in a low rider. That's how basic it is. If you were using flour, these are from bread lines. So I'll use these in bread bakeries. So when we divide bread, I actually use flour in here as well. So when you go up to like 78, 79% hydration, 85% hydration, I'm dusting the, the, the plates dividing and this is actually the flower catch. So this is just old flower that shoots down. So when it divides, it pops and then the flower shoots into this chamber and then goes down here into this catch. Nice. 
So loops will take care of that. Thank you, Lupe. So you gotta adjust that hydration just a little bit. Just use, it is a little bit wet on that end, I think. I'll take it down a click. I did remove a lot of salt out of the dough, this recipe, so I wanna see where we are on this next one. But all she's using is just a little brush and just cleaning them out. Oh, wow. So all we're doing is cross stacking to cool them and get the airflow to come around these dough balls and I get a skin. So I'm looking for a nice skin and I normally do this in their production sheet for about an hour. When they get seven of these in the walk-in, they'll fill all of these walk-ins with these open, finish the rest of their production, close everything up, and then they're done. What are you doing? I'm making 24-ounce dough balls because Steve wanted me to look at his slice program and uh, potentially make him a 22-inch pizza for his slices. He's trying to rip a little bit of that Miami slice vibe of the giant carnachone on a 22 inch pizza with nice parma on the finish. So he's looking for more of a solid slice. So I'm gonna ball him up some 24 ounce ones that will make some giant pizzas. So is Steve like on Instagram, just like looking at these pizzerias and like, I want that kind I mean, of thing? When Steve goes to bed at night, Steve scours through Eater, the New York Times. I get articles sometimes at two o'clock in the morning of, I remember the time we went down the fried chicken hole and we wanted to start the Thomas Keller hot, uh, ad hoc chicken. And we were frying chicken three ways from Sunday in here. I'll show you a pressure fryer back there, a $35,000 pressure fryer that we bought just to try and do chicken. Don't use it anymore? No, no, we can't fucking sell it. No one wants to buy a $20,000 fryer. You can buy a fryer for two grand. A pressure fryer is like... Why did you get it? Because that's what Thomas Keller was using? Uh, pressure fryers are used by all the biggest in the game. Chick-fil-A, that's the secret to their sauce, is they pressure fry all the chicken. So it's just a better fry and it's hot. Hot, 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 hot. Super dangerous. So I just took those stringers that we had at the end and I'm just cutting them in here to make 24 ounces and pack them in here and let them ferment. I'll get at these later. Well, there you have it. My conversation with Al the Pizza Buddha for this special limited series called Shadow a Pizza Maker. What did you think? I hope you learned something. Let me know if it's as effective through the audio platforms. Let me know if you went on YouTube. Let me know if you enjoyed it. You can DM me on Instagram at what's good dough or email me. I drift at whatsgooddo.com. I appreciate you for listening. Till next time. Peace.